This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Beyond Reasonable Doubt on BBC Radio 5 Live. Hello, this is Beyond Reasonable Doubt with me, Chris Warburton, and this is a quick episode for you, Answering Your Questions Part 1, which might not be as snappy a title as some of our episodes, but it gives you an idea of what we're trying to do. We asked for your questions, and we got loads, so thank you if you got in touch on Twitter or via email with those. We'll try and answer the majority of them in another episode, I think. But one subject we got loads of questions on from you was owl theory, uh, which we covered, you'll remember, in a recent episode of Beyond Reasonable Doubt. And I'm in downtown Durham right now and back with the man who came up with Owl Theory, Larry Pollard, who we discussed it with on this podcast. And hello, Larry. Hello. Good to see you again. Thank you very much. It's nice to have you here in Durham. And we're nice in... to have a chance to talk to you again. Exactly. And we're in your offices, quite hot today isn't it and this is the office just tell us because you kind of dedicated this office to to owl theory got books on owls here posters of owls over there all sorts of stuff pictures everything all points of evidence uh in relating to this case and i have it in this room and assembled in this room so i know where to go find what it is that i need to talk about or what issue or what fact and that's why it's here. So, look, we've got a few questions from some of our listeners, which I know you're happy to answer. But sure. you wanted to address something that came up in the episode that we dedicated to Owl Theory from one of our contributors, Aphrodite Jones, and a point that you wanted to respond to. Yes, I wanted to address the two um, points uh, that were made, number one, by Aphrodite Jones, that I was uh, somehow uh, have a psychological hang-up about li- thinking that I was living next door to an murderer that is completely false i have no qualms about that at all the reason i'm involved in this is one thing and that is to try to find the truth to a very complicated case and i have been working on it i've even been interviewed by aphrodite jones showed her a lot of what i have and i have told her that in order to get to the bottom of this you have to have courage you have to be able to admit when you're wrong and I think that Miss Aphrodite Jones is wrong because she, she has a she has a motive to try to sell books and her TV show, and she wants to support that. In addition, Diane Fanning is a book writer, and she wrote uh, some or gave you an interview and said some things that are also totally wrong. She's writing books. She's trying to defend her research and what she thinks I have said, but. Unfortunately, she has got my reference as to what happened and where it happened at the house that night totally wrong. And as you know, um, these are people who have been very helpful to us, yes. you know, and we're very thankful to them for the help that they've given us along the way. And we have tried to speak to as many people Certainly. as we possibly could and from both sides that. of the fence, if you want to put it like that. But I suppose the point that Aphrodite Jones was making to you was, you know, it's a beautiful area. It's a community you've known all your, your life. And it was just, I suppose she was trying to suggest that you couldn't live with that idea, that there was someone who was capable of doing such terrible things that you were friends with who lived a matter of years 
yards away from your beautiful home. Right. Well, I appreciate her concern, uh, but I will tell you that that is not the case at all. I am a sworn lawyer in the state of North Carolina, and what I base my opinions on are facts and evidence, real evidence, not somebody's opinion, not somebody's gossip, but genuine, bona fide facts that you can see, feel, and touch. Let's get to some of the questions for Certainly. our listeners, shall we? This is from Gus Warland. Uh, thank you, Gus. Says, loving the podcast. I've just listened to the Owl Theory episode. I would like to know, says Gus, what are the chances of Kathleen's body being exhumed in respect of Owl Theory? Well, I suggested that in the last interview that if they wanted to see uh, if they could find any more evidence in regard to the owl theory. The only place that you will find it is in, is in her skull or on her body or in her corpse, and that would have to require an exhumation of her body uh, out here at the cemetery here in Durham, take it over to Duke Hospital, do a detailed uh, sensitive MRI to determine whether or not there were scratches on there, or if, if there was any other DNA remaining in any of the little puncture wounds, particularly one that's on her nose that goes down deep and was covered up by the um, funeral uh, director when she was prepared for burial, that has clay over it or whatever that they use makeup and may contain some. I'm not advocating it. Mr. Peterson is not advocating that. Uh, we recognize that that would be very difficult and uh, sensitive to the family and out of respect to the family, we would not advocate that. But if they want to know or if the state wants to know, proof positive will be there because that's where the talents hit the hard subject and stop. So to answer Guy's question, what are the chances of it happening, we would say slim, right? Yes, I would say slim. I, like We uh, have no... Uh, desire to recommend it we know uh, request it uh, that we do not want to offend any member of the family we just know that in this case the um, the mother of two the two daughters that mr peterson has in his family uh, that their mother was exhumed in the state of texas and driven all the way back here to the state of north carolina and put in front of the same medical examiner that had already determined that this was a homicide. And she determined it was a homicide. Elizabeth Ratliff, yeah. And I said, well, if you're going to be fair, you might want to go back to the victim of this crime and look at if you can find evidence there. That would be the only fair way to do it. Well, t talking to the family, it brings us to uh, another question, sure. actually. Uh, this is from someone calling themselves Diddly Squat. They say, what do Kathleen and Michael's children think of our theory? Have you, got, have you, have you had any contact? Have, have they given you any idea what they think no, about it? No, very, very little. I think that we've seen each other on various occasions. Um, they're wonderful children. Uh, his sons have uh, been very nice to us. They have been cordial. They've never said anything derogatory to me personally. I don't know if they have to someone else or not, but I recognize that this is a defense that they may say, oh, this is wacky. But it's not wacky when you look at the evidence. And uh, so I don't know how they feel. And the daughters, um, Margaret, oh, the daughters of Mr. Peterson, uh, 
I would say that they feel the same way. They would, you know, let the facts speak for themselves. What, what conversations, this isn't from a listener, but for me, what, what conversations have you had with Michael Peterson about it? About the owl theory? Yeah. Well, I initially went to speak to Mr. Peterson after he called me on the telephone after we had uncovered or discovered or found a man who was actually hit by an owl here in Durham, or actually in Apex, North Carolina, and we had been referred to him by the Wildlife Commission Executive Director because they had that film on videotape because there was a security camera overlooking their parking lot, and you very clearly see the owl come swooping in from behind, make a strike on the gentleman's head, and he weighed, he was as uh, big as uh, Mark there, and uh, he's, uh, or Chris, excuse me. <laughs> no, that's Mark. He's the okay. big one. <laughs> he's, he's as big as, as Mark. And uh, it uh, struck him so hard that it knocked his pants halfway down his derriere, so to speak. And you clearly see this in the videotape. I have it right there. And if you go to WRAL TV, where uh, that tape it's there. Uh, ended oh, up, perhaps we can you watch will that. see it. Okay, we can watch that later. This is from Michael Nesky. I'd like to know if there were, I mean, it kind of goes along with what you were saying, but it's a bit more specific. It says, I'd like to know if there were any other owl attacks reported in the area on the night of Kathleen's death, or, or maybe just on nights around that kind of period? I don't know. I was asleep at that time, and I'm wondering, did they take a look at any of the other owl attacks all across the city, the county, the state, the world? In fact, I have books full of pictures here and articles for you to re- read and look at about specific owl attacks and the marks they make on your head. Are, they, are there stats for are the stats? number no, that happened over not, the course I'm of a year? I'm not a mathematician. I'm a lawyer. And I can't do statistics. What I can do is collect vital evidence that I think will assist the authorities in coming to a rational dis- conclusion as to what happened to Mrs. Peterson. And I believe that this evidence that we have uncovered creates not only reasonable doubt, but proof positive as to the fact that there was a bird on top of her head at the time of the attack. Chris, go on. Chris, I'll be glad to show you here pictures that we had taken. These are taken with a microscopic camera. And... This picture right here is the one that I call my smoking feather because it shows the hair shaft of Mrs. Peterson. And this was collected by the medical examiner sent to the SBI crime lab. They put it on a slide. When we found reference to that slide, we went and got someone who had a microscope, found and looked at this feather, and then we had pictures taken of it. It clearly shows the feather wrapped around the hair shaft of Mrs. Peterson that has been yanked out by the root ball. And it has fresh droplets of red blood, as you can see, holding the feather to the hair shaft. This is some microscopic images that we're looking at in a a small photo album, which are full of photos related to... uh, 
related the way that to you the see the, how the incident took we, place. And yeah. what we found on evidence that was state's evidence collected by the medical examiner, okay. examined by the State Bureau of Investigation, and we made reference to it. The state denied this at first. When we asked for anything pertaining to this, they denied it. But then we found it, and it's in a crime lab under the seal of the State Bureau of Investigation. As you see right there, I'm and looking at as this you now. Can see right here, first page and third page of this report that was done down here on February the 19th, uh, 2002. Mm-hmm. That's within six weeks. This, this, is, this, is, this is a uh, trace evidence section of the State Bureau of Investigation's Crime Laboratory Division, and it's basically looking at the analysis of what showed up in this investigation, and hair and fibre uh, is ticked on that, and, right. and, and the rest is what Mr Pollard Why has already pointed out. this is extremely important, this is, the, this is magnificent explosive evidence because owls are the only species of birds in the entire world, with the exception of an osprey, which doesn't hunt at night, that have microscopic feathers that go all the way down their feet to their toes mm-hmm. to the talons, as you can see on that bird over there. They've got microscopic feathers, but they've got pretty big feathers as well. And Chris Evans, thank you for this one, Chris, Mm -hmm. says, wouldn't there be more feathers in and around the house? I think there probably would have been feathers that you could have found very easily. Uh, When she was taken to the morgue, they examined the wounds on her head, and you would have found more feathers probably in the wounds and also in Kathleen's hands because of the fact she was reaching up to grab hold of her hair that was being yanked out by the root ball. And that is what this evidence report says. It is a hair that is antigen, meaning yanked out by the root ball. Now, there were 38 hairs in her left hand, 25 in her right hand. That's a lot of hairs to have yanked out of your head. What you're describing would hurt, and if it was happening outside, you would make a hell of a racket if this was happening, the shock and the pain, which takes us on to... It's the final question of this. This is from Philippa King. Philippa says, Why wouldn't Michael Peterson have heard Kathleen scream when she was being attacked by an owl? He was outside, he was on the other side of the house, I'll give you that, but you'd be making one heck of a racket. I'm holding here a picture of the house. I'm holding the picture of the side of the house where we contend that the attack took place. As you can tell, the swimming pool is on the other side of this house. It is a three-story house. It is very, very tall. It has wings on either end that are angled back, and he would not have heard it over here at the swimming pool where he was supposed to have been. We think. We think. We think he wouldn't well, have Well, that's where it. he it's said. It's a very quiet area. You live next door. You know how quiet oh, it is. Oh, it is. But everything that we know or recommending took place happened down in this recessed area in front of this door mm. on the Kent Street side of the residence. And that's recessed from where this... And there's a brick staircase that goes down right there into this area, a very recessed garden. I believe y'all have been there and have, have gone down those steps. We have, yeah. All right. We have always contended, 
And a lot of people keep trying to distort this, but we contend that she was hit on this side at the top of that brick staircase, goes down the steps, there's two droplets of blood at the bottom of that steps, and then she runs to the front door, or actually the back door is what this one is called, and that she goes through the door, down the corridor, to where she faints, and we say that the red neurons recovered by Dr. Bolden at the morgue that morning indicate that she was unkind or went into shock and collapsed into the bottom of that staircase down near the kitchen. Not the grand staircase, but the kitchen uh, staircase. That was a, a, serv a servant's and children's staircase yes. that they would come down to the playroom. I'm familiar with that house, by the way. I've lived there for 50 or 60 years, and I can tell you honestly, I played in that house as a child. <laughs> so what I'm telling you, I'm familiar with. Go ahead. Uh, I want to say thank you. Sure. Uh, and on behalf of Gus and Chris and Philippa and Michael and Diddley Squat, I'll say thank you from them as well for answering some of the questions. And it's great to see you again. Thank you. It's great to see you. And before you leave, I would like for you to look at these books over here that indicate and have documented owl attacks, not only here, but in the world. You will see our actual motion for appropriate relief that we made, and they are all documented. They're categorized. This is an A4 folder that we're looking at here that Larry's flicking through. It's broken down into different areas. There's a tab here, Owl Attacks Canada. Uh, and then we go to another tab, Owl Attacks Europe, and it's all broken down and takes you through a whole manner of different episodes that have happened over the years. There's one from 2007. Uh, that was, is that in the UK we're looking at there? Yeah, this was in Lancashire, mm -hmm. an incident that happened there. This is an article from the New York Times. Uh, a man who was killed by an owl he tried to steal from Moscow Zoo uh, reported there, and we can just work our way through owl attack science. And really, it's pretty comprehensive, Larry. I think we can all agree on that. Great. I appreciate that. And those are the files, those are some of the evidence that we have compiled that lead us to the conclusion that Mrs. Peterson was probably, and I think positively, hit by an owl because of the feathers that were there, clutched in her hands. And in my opinion, this creates reasonable doubt. It is beyond a reasonable doubt. Very on message. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so that was answering your questions part one. We will endeavour to answer some more of your questions. And I think in the imaginatively titled episode, answering your questions part two to come. This is Beyond Reasonable Doubt. In Durham, North Carolina. On BBC. Radio 5 Live. 5 Live.